We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. It's Friday Rapid Fire. It's Sean and Jesse. Today, Vincenzo and his son Dylan are in Fort Wayne today. I believe it was uh, St. Francis. They're they're over there checking out St. Francis University. So Jesse's got his uh, his light game going. I see <laughs> different shades across. His face. You're you're wearing everyone's favorite Notre Dame hat though today. So hopefully you make some people happy. I hope so. And um, St. Francis and Fort Wayne. I I played there actually a little bit yeah. in college. A team a team we played. Um, they were always relatively good at football too. So. Solid football field, if I remember right. I yeah, it was, it was brand new. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of the most of the schools in your conference football is still relatively new. I think what maybe within the last uh, ten or twelve years or something like that. Does that yeah, sound right? Yeah, and there's there's another school that was added as I was leaving. I think it was Indiana yeah. Wesleyan joined the conference as well. Yeah, I they think just started uh, the football program. Yeah, that's right. I remember you played base some baseball tournaments at Indiana Wesleyan, but they didn't have football yet at that point. But yeah, it seems like wasn't St. Francis. I, I know your team was nationally ranked i think what maybe your freshman and sophomore years and it seemed like saint francis kind of uh gained some momentum your last couple years yeah saint francis was always um nationally ranked i want to say they made a national championship appearance if i'm not mistaken it sounds right it's right i remember them being pretty good there and marion in indianapolis was always really good and they also made some national championship appearances so we played in a really probably one of the I, I mean, at the time, one of the better NAI conferences in terms of football. So, For sure. For sure. Well, we've got a lot to get to today. Plenty of topics for you. You want to uh, you want to just jump right in here and go? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> DJ Armageddon said, where's where'd Brian go? I, I, I don't know. Did he disappear? Is he is he like did he pop off the channel or what? I know he had a show earlier today, but uh, hopefully he hasn't disappeared speaking of brian driscoll fill in the blank on this first one brian just finished his one-on-one interview with marcus freeman this week and it's blank that uh he said one of his biggest takeaways is the confidence freeman has in the talent level on this year's team 
For me, it's reassuring that he said that Marcus Freeman's biggest takeaway about the t- the team's talent this year um, and, and the confidence that he had. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where I felt really good about just overall Marcus Freeman, you know, talking about the talent of players, getting a certain talent of players that we not necessarily have seen, you know, at Notre Dame. And, and again, taking what was kind of Brian Kelly's uh, biggest complaint and, and really making it a now, to, in my opinion, a bright spot or, you know, something that's no longer really an excuse um, on behalf of the program. So I find it really reassuring. And I think if 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 he can continue to grow um, as a coach, right, because you can have all the talent, but how you coach your players is another thing. And so that's the thing that I think needs to see the most growth, uh, at least for me, this season compared to last season. I think growth would look like, you know, you don't lose the Marshall and and Stanford type of games. Those are games that you win as a head coach when, when things aren't necessarily going right, because let's face it, every game, not everything is going to go perfectly as planned. And that's Marcus Freeman's job is to steer the ship when things go bad. And I think that he kind of wasn't able to regain control of the ship in those Marshall and Stanford games. So that is what I'm looking forward to the most, but it's so reassuring again, that he, he continues to talk about the talent that's on the roster. We started this week talking about blue chip ratio, and we finish it talking about Marcus Freeman feeling confident in the talent that he has. And that blue chip ratio, again, is the percentage of four and five stars that a team has on the roster. And each of the last three years, it has steadily grown the percentage of the four and five stars they're getting. And Vince talked about really – and you, you know, you touched on it there. The the change from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman in charge, and you know, the the this blue chip ratio has flipped. It it coincides with Marcus Freeman being here the last three recruiting cycles, from when he was defensive coordinator into head coach, and now year two as head coach. And if you're going to start winning some of these games against the Ohio States, the you know, Alabama's and Georgia's, you know, not just play close against them. If you're going to start winning them, it starts with that level of talent that you have on the roster. You're absolutely right. Marcus Freeman still has to figure some things out. It it seems like, like his growth curve seemed really fast over the course of the year, like his ability to learn from some mistakes, you know, to learn from Marshall going forward, to learn from Stanford going forward you know that you go from losing to Stanford to just full throttle beatdowns of back-to-back ranked teams against Syracuse and Clemson you know as the season progressed now can they get over the hump against a team though like an Ohio State and now against USC whose roster is starting to be rebuilt both via the transfer portal in big numbers as well as the recruiting that Lincoln Riley is doing there but again it starts with talent you you if if you're going to you know the the whole closing the gap thing started under brian kelly right you know like you can get them there you can you you, you can lead that horse but now can you actually get that horse to you know charge uphill or you know to, to 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 fight that battle that you need to be able to fight in the college football playoffs and uh, to me, it's very reassuring. Like it validates some things that we saw in the spring because it's always one thing to see it in action when guys are going against each other in the spring. It's another thing when you're going up against the other, you know, other teams of equal or even higher caliber talent. And I just think 
you throw in a quarterback like Sam Hartman with all these young, you know, all these young, talented guys they've got on the roster. And I, I think that I think that we're just in store. That traje- trajectory is going to keep going up over the next few years. So I think it's really exciting to hear that the head coach is excited about it as well, that he, you know, again, him seeing it validates, I think, what uh, what we think that we saw in the spring. Yeah, and I think you said the most important thing that you said there was, you know, when Notre Dame played Clemson of the past and Alabama recently, you could see the the gap that you were talking about in talent on the field. And I think that that gap, like you were saying, is continuing to be bridged or shrunk. And that's a really good feeling because you could look at, you know, the guys Notre Dame has on the field. And you're just like, these guys are just a one step kind of behind, you know, in athleticism, speed, whatever it might be. But now that we're, we're starting to see that bridge close, it, again, it, to me, it's just a really reassuring feeling because it, it's it's going to lead to those big wins that you start that you, that you need. Right. Like you need to beat Ohio State. You need to beat USC. And then, you know, whatever comes in the postseason as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. When you think about it, Andre's coming. He says Notre Dame must win the big games to get some five-star recruits to even listen to the pitch and then commit. You know, I'm torn between is it is it about winning those games or, you know, is it about NIL, you know, being able to, you know, to keep some of those five-star guys on the hook? What, you know, or is it simply about the head coach and his staff continuing to forge those relationships and recruiting like we talked about yesterday 
with with Micah Shrewsbury. What what do you think is the key to finally being able to get more of those five star guys? Yeah, I think it starts with your head coach and who he chooses to, you know, basically his team that he chooses to assemble to go out and develop these relationships with recruits because that's the first step. And then, yeah, I mean, I there's no one wants to go to a team. I mean, you could be a great recruiter and a great guy and, you know, whatever, but ultimately recruits aren't going to go to a place where you lose, right? And everyone wants to go somewhere where they can win, be on a national stage, get better, and then obviously potentially, you know, go on to the NFL draft. And so I think that a part of it is winning to a higher degree. I'm not saying it's, you know, that these it's the main thing, but it's a part of the formula, again, with you know, Marcus Freeman and his team developing relationships. I think winning is another part of that formula that Notre Dame has been, I guess you could say lacking in, you know, and lack in, in, in better terms, um, because again, they struggle to win a lot of the big, big games, right? Like they'll, they, they'll take care of who they're supposed to take care of, but they're still lacking. I mean, the new year six bowl wins are an issue. The playoff wins are an issue. You know, they've, they've kind of, uh, as of recently established some of those regular season, big wins, but to me, it's got to be the postseason on the national stage when everyone is watching you. Decaf says he thinks the gap is closing. Um, I think the gap all across college football is closing, is what he is saying. And here's yeah, and the transfer portal is what's causing well, that. Well, see, and that's here's two things: the transfer portal and NIL. You know, like if Notre Dame could spend in NIL to get some of these guys. You know, let's be honest, they would be able to, you know, it would make a difference, I think. But I think Notre Dame can also indirectly benefit from that because if, if you know, let's take Colorado, for example. Colorado is not going to be a national championship contender. You know, they're not even going to be close to it this year or next year. Maybe it's a few years down the road. We, you know, we still have to see if, if Dion can do it at a power five school. But my point is if they're investing in kind of snatching some of these five-star guys away that, you know, the Colorado's and, and sort of middle tier power five schools, if they're able to pluck, you know, like one power five guy per cycle, it kind of spreads out the power five. So they're not all just, you know, gathering at Alabama and Georgia essentially. So if you spread those guys out, even though Notre Dame might not be getting them right now, you know, again, it's 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 spreading out a little bit more so that sort of indirectly benefits Notre Dame and the, but the transfer portal is you know great point that you made the transfer portal impacts that as well because of the fact that you essentially have college football free agency now because of the portal yeah and there's just a less concentration of five and four stars piling up everywhere because again who wants to go sit, if you're a five star and there's already a bunch of five stars on a roster who wants to you know no one wants to go sit behind someone anymore and wait. That That is long and gone. With the transfer mm-hmm. portal, it is very easy to, to recognize that if you are good and talented, you can transfer and play absolutely right now. And I think that's, you know, the, the part of it is guys aren't just no longer going anywhere and waiting a couple of years. Guys are saying, you know, forget that. I'm, I know I'm good enough to start right now. I might go somewhere a little lesser than the Alabamas and Georgias just so I can start getting that on-field mm-hmm. repetition and tape you know, early on in, in their college career. Yeah, Shytown says if the NCAA actually has the bleep to investigate tampering, good luck with that because they've already shown they don't have the stomach for it. Either not, maybe not even necessarily the stomach, the, the fortitude 
to investigate it. It's it's all too big for them. You know, they were they were forced this hand with both the transfer portal and NIL, and they're you know just going to kind of sit back and watch it all burn. Basically, they they are never going to be able to get in front of it. I don't think. Uh, Terry, you know, we were talking about USC. Terry says USC doesn't win big games. To a point, you know, unless you count Notre Dame last year as a big game, which I still think it's a rivalry game. But I get your point. You know, they obviously uh, were not able to win the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, but uh, yeah, we will, we'll, we'll see. Because Lincoln Riley didn't have a track record of winning big games necessarily when he was at Oklahoma either. He could get them to the playoff, but they had the same problem. They couldn't win. You know, they 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 got to the playoff multiple times, but they ultimately never won a national championship. They had multiple Heismans. They had the whole thing. But speaking of rivals, you've got the Cubs and Cardinals playing in London this weekend. And we can talk about that in a second. But I wanted to ask you, you know, of course, you've got Notre Dame. We've got Notre Dame and Navy playing in Dublin in August to open up the college football season. Would you buy or sell Notre Dame playing a bigger rival? like USC or Michigan overseas in the future. You know, again, similar to Cubs-Cardinals, two huge rivalries, or two huge rivals playing each other overseas in London. Red Sox-Yankees did it last year. Would you want to see Notre Dame play a bigger rival in in one of these, quote-unquote, marquee overseas type games? Yeah, I, I would go out and say that I would buy Notre Dame playing, you know, one of their rivals or marquee opponents overseas. And I think it's, you know, something that would be pretty, really really entertaining and really fun. And if I, if it were up to me, I think, you know, I'll take it a step further. I'd like to see Notre Dame and USC play in like an old school Coliseum over in Greece or something. I think that would be really fun um, and, and would really set the stage for the game. And then if you're talking about Notre Dame and Michigan, I think it'd be fun to see them play again. I wouldn't mind that game being in Dublin or, you know, maybe go to an area like Germany where um, there is a ton of, you know, overall football interest the, the NFL has played over there before. So I think that is something that would be really fun too. And I think Notre Dame has enough of a national brand again, that it, that it could do something like this. And if you're talking Notre Dame and USC and playing over in Greece, I think that would be, you know, a, a great selling point. So to me, I have no issue with it. I think it would be super fun as a fan and something that would like, I would I would consider slash be way more interested in making in making an investment like in something like that to go see maybe a, a bigger marquee opponent. Chi-Town says Boston College in Rome or Paris. That I wouldn't mind. Andre says no, love campus atmosphere. And I agree with Andre. I would not want to see one of the big rivalry games go overseas. Like I don't like seeing Cubs, Cardinals, Yankees, Red Sox. Because you're taking it away from the home fans, I think. I would rather see those kind of games. You know, I think just, it's easier with baseball because they play each other so many times throughout yeah, the regular you season. Even though, like with this year's schedule, the way they've changed it, they're, they're playing less. But you're right. You do still see the you know those, those rivals more often than a football schedule where you get them once. And that's what I don't like about losing – I wouldn't like that about losing a big rivalry game. You know, like – Look at this women's basketball game that's going to take place over there. It's Notre Dame and South Carolina. Two marquee teams, but they're not rivals by any means. You know, like I would not want to see Notre Dame and UConn go over, you know, overseas because you, you're, you're, you're taking away 
what's a really good, you know, women's basketball rivalry, you, you would be taking it away from both of the home, you know, fan bases. So while Notre Dame being involved is always going to draw more eyeballs, you know, like I wouldn't mind seeing Notre Dame play a Duke or, you know, one NC State, one of those ACC schools, if you wanted to send it overseas or even Boston College, like like Chi-Town said, I, I think that that could make some sense as well, especially if you played it in a place like Rome. I think that would make a lot of sense because you've got the only two, you know, power five Catholic schools playing in Rome, potentially, if you did something like that. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't want to see the big rivalry games, though, taken away from the home fan bases. That would be my only thing with that. Uh, going back to what we were just talking about, Andre asked, what positions at Notre Dame do you think we need to get those five-star players to be successful? And I would just say, I would begin it with this, what DCAF 18 says, quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, quarterback. That's it. You know, because again, Clemson, you know, when we looked at that blue chip ratio, like Clemson is only incrementally ahead of where Notre Dame is right now. When you look at the last four recruiting classes and again, Notre Dame's real rise in the blue chip ratio where, where they've really started to climb their way into the mid sixties and pushing 70% has been the last three classes where, where Clemson, you know, had made the difference winning its two national championships is having the quarterback. They had Deshaun Watson for the first one. They had Trevor Lawrence for the second one. Now, they still had some really good, you know, they had good receivers. They had great defensive lines. Remember all that defensive line talent they had a few years back with the last championship. But other than that, the quarterback is what really separated them and what, you know, that's that's how they won the national championship. If you had that kind of quarterback at Notre Dame at any point over the last five years, at the very least, I would have complete confidence that they would have been playing in a national championship game and not just the national semifinals. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say my list would be first and foremost at the very tip top. Most important is obviously quarterback. Um, and then after that, I would say defensive end. Um wide receiver and safety I think would be kind of like the if secondary I had, yep. yeah I'd have to put if that were my four you know two on offense obviously one wide receiver quarterback and then defensive end and a secondary piece on defense that would be you know if that if I if, if you said hey you can only get five or sorry four or five star recruits that's where I would disperse my my four right like you know, Georgia's the difference, you know, a, a different animal right now because they've essentially got five-star talent all across the defense. You know, that's that's where the bulk of theirs are. You know, obviously Stetson Bennett didn't push it on that side of the ball. But, like, when you look at the success Alabama has had, you know, even beyond the, the quarterbacks in recent years, where what do they have? They've just cranked out NFL receiver after NFL receiver, you know. So, like, if you're – if 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 the elite team, or one of the elite teams, but you know, I'd, I'd call them the you know the team of the last decade anyway. If they're cranking out that kind of talent, what do you have to have if you're going to compete with that? You've got to have guys who can, you know, in the secondary who can go head to head, toe to toe with those guys. So I would definitely say quarterback, secondary, you know, defensive end, like you said, and just just more overall athleticism up front in that front seven that, you know, they've just got to be able to get twitchier and, you know, rangier 
on the defensive side of the ball. And the kind of guys they're bringing in, we've seen an improvement so far. And that's – but I would – I would put quarterback at the top of my list. I would personally put guys in the secondary next, but I agree then, you know, you've also got to have guys who can, uh, who can get to the quarterback, and, you know, and like decaf said, left tackle. I mean, they've, they've, you know, like, like offensive line is not what's separating them or, or, you know, like keeping them from making that step. They've got the offensive line. Now you can't take a step back in the offensive line, but that's not where they need to add. They just need to continue what they've done with the offensive line and, you know, get those other guys, you know, those other positions like we've been talking about. All right. San Francisco 49ers and Michigan Wolverines each currently have plus 1,000 odds to win their respective championships this season. Obviously, Super Bowl for the 49ers, national championship for the Wolverines. Which of those two teams would you be more willing to wage a hundred bucks on to win it all? So are we talking um, NFC championship, big 10 championship? Or are we talking Super no. Bowl and NCAA Super Bowl and national championship? Mm, that changes things for me. I was looking at it in a different lens or scope. Um, I would say, man, this is a really tough one because you know, the 49ers have, have been good in the NFL, but it's it's harder to be good in the NFL year in and year out. You're just due for, you know, kind of a down year. And the way the 49ers have done it in the past, it's like they kind of piece it together. They don't really have a quarterback. They rely on good defense. And that's I, – I don't know. I just feel like that can only get you so far. And so in terms of, you know, the parity at the college level – um, Michigan kind of coming up short and short with, you know, the 49ers have, have been making it and not winning it, I guess, per se. But at the end, I would say I would say Michigan at, to, to conclude my rant, just because the <laughs> NFL, again, there's just so much. It's harder to be consistently good in the NFL year in and year out. And to me, in today's age, in, in today's game a really good quarterback is needed and the 49ers just don't have that. And I think that's going to ultimately kind of hold them back that like they'll get pretty far, but they're never going to get all the way to the end in my opinion. So I'll take Michigan. Shy town says neither one Notre Dame and the bears. Ooh, man, hundred bucks on the bears. I mean, you'd win a lot of money if it actually happened, but you also might just be throwing your money away. <laughs> Derek says you need a, a Tapo Chico? I don't know what Topo that is. Topo Chico. It's a alcoholic Chico? drink. Oh, okay. All right. Is it good? I Have you had one? I've only had it like once or twice. It's, you know, it's not bad. Terry says Michigan will walk through everyone and then lose to Notre Dame in the playoffs. I could see that happening. And, you know, we talked yesterday on the show. I really think it, it is underplayed the fact that, yes, Michigan has made it to the college football playoffs for the last two years, but they have also lost the last two years. And now, granted, they played a close game against TCU this past season, but what happened then? TCU just got their doors blown off in the national championship game. Yeah, so, Michigan blew their best opportunity to get yeah, to the national championship yeah. in a long so time. Look, looks good on paper that you were competitive in a playoff game, but when the team that you played, again, I think it's underplayed that the team that they played a competitive game with was – in one of the least competitive national championship games we've seen in a while. It's crazy because if I think if 
again, if if Notre Dame was in that role, I feel like a lot of more people would have exactly. been talking about something like that. But and that was that's kind of it my kind of just yes. flies under the radar because they're right. everyone been like, oh, you know, Notre Dame struggled against TCU and TCU just got blown out by Alabama. Is Notre Dame a legit playoff team? And neither that conversation was never even a thought when in terms of Michigan. Exactly. And then, you know, then the year before Michigan lost by three touchdowns, three plus touchdowns, I think it was to Georgia in the semifinal. So I, I just, I think Michigan could get to the playoffs again. I don't, I, I don't think they will this year. I think that uh, I, I can't see them making it three years in a row. Whereas the 49ers, you're right. Like NFL, things can swing from, from top to bottom in the course of a season, but that team is so fundamentally sound. And really, when you look at the NFC, like the, the the path is just so much easier in the NFC to at least get to the Super Bowl compared to if you're a team in the AFC with all those great quarterbacks and, and teams over there. So, you know, and, and what happens if Purdy doesn't get hurt early on, you know, in the first half against the Eagles? It completely changed the, the you know, the, the complexion of that game. So, if I'm choosing between the two, you, you know, you're right. Like if it, if I'm just betting Michigan gets to the playoffs or wins the Big Ten, that's completely different. But to win the whole thing, I would put my money on the 49ers well before Michigan. I might even, you know, some people have saying I might even, you know, be be willing to throw something down on Notre Dame before I'd throw it on Michigan, you know, if I'm talking about that much money. Okay. So the NBA draft was last night. Major League draft is about two weeks away. Your combined interest in those two drafts equal your interest in the NFL draft. So the N the NBA draft, um, I, out of curiosity, did you watch any of that last night? Did you tune in for any of it? Where was your overall interest level? Are you like the top five? Were you I, see where Grady Dick went and then you turned it <laughs> off? So here's here's where my viewing was last night. You had, you know, speaking of Major League Draft, you had two first-round draft picks going head-to-head -head in a pitching matchup at the College World Series last night with Wake Forest <laughs> and LSU. And it was a game scoreless. that was 0-0 going into the 8th. Yeah, and into the 11th inning, it was scoreless. Last night. That's how good, you know, it was like game seven, 1991. See, a lot of people would tell you World that's Series. boring, especially with today's baseball. Everyone wants to see runs, runs, runs. But I, that's a great pitching matchup, in my opinion. Oh. And Morgan, the first baseman for LSU, just made one of the best plays. Did you see the the replay of, of charging home on the, on the safety squeeze? Bunt? I did he, not. All I saw the, was the walk-off home run and the pitchers had it scoreless going into the 11th. Yep. Squeeze bunt. Wake Forest had a runner coming down the line. LSU first baseman charges as soon as he sees the batter square up, picks it up in stride, flips it home. They get the out at the It was a beautiful play at the play. <laughs> but that's what I was predominantly watching. I did flip over every now and then, you know, to ESPN. I was kind of checking in on Grady Dick. Didn't necessarily want to see his sparkly suit, you know, whatever that <laughs> thing was that he was wearing. You know, so I was flipping over every now and then just to kind of see and to be quite honest um i i felt like you know they they had the interviews going on after the guys got drafted i felt like they were very you know like entry level question 
you know, questions that were being asked uh, of of guys who were just selected in the first round of the draft. So it was cringeworthy, some of it. So I would flip it back over to the game pretty quickly. I would flip over to the draft during commercial breaks, flip right back, kept watching that great pitching matchup, great uh, great play in the College World Series. So that's a long answer to your question, but that's where my interest was last Yeah, my interest was like the top five picks because there was <laughs> all day there was, you know, Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, for what it's worth, were kind of going back and forth between two and three. And it was Scoot Henderson for a really long time. And then, you know, some of these big time NBA reporters were tweeting stuff. And I grabbed Brandon Miller at plus 300 when they were started talking about he could potentially go second. He ended up going second. And so that was like the all I really cared about well, is that I got a bargain on that. So let me ask you this. It, you know, speaking of cringeworthy questions, Malika Andrews, I believe it was, asked him, or I don't know if it was Malika or not. So I don't want to say the wrong person, but um, apparently he was asked about, you know, the whole yeah, chart, situation. You know, situation. Is that a question that needs to be asked of a no. player right after he was drafted? Not even a question on draft night, I don't think. Right. It's it's very so, obvious really. what's been ongoing. He if if the NBA has deemed him eligible to be drafted and opened him, to, you know, basically extended the invite to draft night to him, I think those questions are no longer um, on the table. But back to your original question, my overall interest. Um, and the MLB draft, or sorry, do, does the MLB draft and the NBA draft to combined, uh, you know, equal the NFL, equal interest. the NFL? The, the answer is no. I, I care about basically the first round for each of those. Um, and not that's not even like, like I said, the NBA last night, I was like top five. And then MLB, I usually just look to see, you know, who the Cubs take in the first round because there's so many rounds in baseball, like so many rounds. All, all I'm concerned with is, you know, what's that top prospect to keep your eye out for, you know, in terms of baseball in the first year. So it's um, it, it's just th those drafts aren't very interesting. I think football I is 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 just you, those guys are going to have an immediate impact like right here's, away. Here's how little I was following, you know, like with the NBA, you know, again, it's it's like this, you know, this time of year. So it's you know, it's kind of background. But, uh, you know, all, all you we've heard about is Wimbanyana. And, you know, so that's like, we all, we all knew that he was going at the top of the draft. I didn't even realize San Antonio had the number one pick. It's just like, you know, they obviously ended up taking him. Yeah. But, it, you know, did it's you like, know oh, the Spurs, you know, so now they've got him. So, did you yeah. even know that Jet Howard, um, the son of oh, Jawan Howard? Jawan, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, that I, he was, that he was like, going to be a. Uh, drafted well this i didn't year? even know that he had a son that was draft eligible oh. and then to be drafted and then you look at like the overall draft another michigan guy so jet howard went 11 and kobe Bufkin buffkin went 15 both from michigan i think they were the only team to have two players in the top 15 which is surprising and to me kind of shows the uh that the underachieving that michigan had to have done this season if you have two guys going in the top 15 yeah Mis mischievous Derek are the NBA playoffs <laughs> starting soon. Touché. I think tomorrow. Touché. Yeah, that's right. Here's one for you, Jess. You're, you're the baseball better from Maltavius. My favorite show of the week during the dog days. Appreciate it. He says Styers times two for the win. 
But the question is, Braves minus five and a half or money line, and they are playing the red hot Cincinnati Red Stock. Yeah, I actually, it's funny that this came up because I made two bets today. One was a boost, an Ohio boost, I believe, for Joey Votto to get a hit. I did that one. And then my other uh, thing I did is I got a a boost from the Pitching Ninja on FanDuel. Everyone should get one. It's a 25% boost. I actually put it on the Reds' money line because for a team that's red hot and opening up the series at home, I took the Reds' money line and boosted it an extra 25%, and that's what I went up. So, you know, screw Braves' money line, screw Braves' minus one and a half. I took the Reds' money line. I, I Until they lose, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to keep going with it. Royals actually beat Tampa Bay last night. They've got Zach Greinke on the mound tonight. I don't, I don't think they can do it two nights in a row. I might I might have to come up with a An interesting a number here. is the Cubs and Cardinals over is at 13 and a half right now already. And I believe it's due to a very shallow left field corner of about 250 feet. But the Cardinals don't really have the hitting, I don't think, to make that a 14 run game. Yeah, it's, and, and steel, it's not Mexico steel the lefty City is going as well. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, Terry going back to uh, the overseas. He said, as a Notre Dame alum traveling to a foreign country, not reliant on whether Notre Dame is playing there or not. It boils down to logistics. Dublin is a solid spot due to easy flights. London and Paris are options. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That makes sense. And you've been over there, you know, more recently than me, Jess. So, yeah, I don't know. Agree with that. Fill in the blank. It's blank that ESPN Radio is canceling Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max's morning show. Um, to be honest with you, I, I find it kind of funny that ESPN Radio is canceling <laughs> that show because I think if you said on paper that this was the show from the beginning, people would have told you that that doesn't really sound super interesting. And like, I just don't understand how it ever took off, how it was ever an idea like that. Those three would be like a, a compelling, interesting group. Well, um, remember they had before Max, they had that Zubin on right. there. It was Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, I think is what it was called. And then they switched it. to. Max, and I think so. that, you know, they when when they started giving Max more money, they also said, you know, we need you to do a lot more things. And it felt like Max was going to be the guy to maybe revitalize that show um, in some terms. So, you know, it's 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 just kind of funny and not really overly surprising, because, again, if you look at it on paper, it's like what what would draw me to that show, essentially. And I think that, again, ESPN, it just kind of overextends themselves a little bit too much. And rather than, you know, maybe being a little bit more concise of what they put out, they they get caught up with putting too much content out. Yeah. Decaf 18 for the win here. ESPN Radio is a joke. And it has just steadily declined for year after year now. Like when I was working, you know, worked at an ESPN Radio affiliate here in the market, you know, however many years ago, you know, early 2000s. And when we when we first got the ESPN programming, it was Mike and Mike in the morning. It was the Tony Kornheiser show. After that, it was the Dan Patrick show after that. I mean, that like those three shows right there. I mean, that is that is great radio back to back to back from your morning show all the way through. And it steadily went downhill. Kornheiser left the radio. 
you know, it became Colin Cowherd. Obviously, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, but you still had the Dan Patrick show. And then they messed with Dan Patrick, you know, because he requested a couple of things. Dan Patrick ends up leaving. And it's, you know, like SVP and Rosillo was solid in the afternoons for a while. But, you know, Mike and Mike was the anchor. And ESPN has just not made radio a priority. They have essentially, you know, said that radio is not a priority. And it show it, it is really shown in the way that they have done things, you know, between, you know, I realized Greeny wanted to go do, you know, something different. They've made him a showcase. And it just really, since Mike and Mike left, as Chi-Town is saying, you know, haven't listened to ESPN radio since Mike and Mike left. It has just, it's really gone downhill and it's a shame. And, and that happened obviously because Greenberg wanted to do something different. ESPN has let him do different things. I, I don't necessarily know that it's been for the betterment of uh, ESPN as a whole. You know, Mike and Mike was a good show. It was a really good national morning show. It's hard to do national radio that everyone's going to like. And it was a really good show. Golik and Wingo was a solid show. I don't think it was as good as Mike and Mike, you know, and then when they decided that they weren't even going to keep the Goliks around after that, you know, it was, it was Mike senior, obviously first, it's just, you know, I, I don't know that they care that much to be quite honest. And I, I gave the, the, you know, the Keyshawn, J Will, Zubin and Max and, you know, the whole thing, some shots and it just, there was just never anything compelling to it. And I think part of it is the chemistry or the lack of chemistry. You know, what made Mike and Mike so good was the chemistry that they had there. And there's never been that kind of chemistry since then. And I think it shows, unfortunately. And I just, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they just shutter ESPN radio here within the next 10 years or so, because it just, I don't even know what else is on there right now i know greenberg is supposed to have an afternoon show that he's not on most of the time so i just i don't know adele recently bought sylvester stallone's house the near deal breaker in the sale of the house stallone wanted to keep his rocky statue that he had out by his swimming pool but adele would only buy the house if the statue stayed. And so the statue stayed, Adele buys the house. Whose statue, I ask you, Jesse, would you want in your backyard if you had your choice of a statue? So first, I think it's extremely kind of weird and maybe even borderline petty to say you <laughs> only want a house because of a statue, right? I don't know. It just feels like that's a little weird to me. Like, in, unless I, Adele is some huge like Rocky Balboa fan that like no one knows about. I just find it overly kind of interesting. And again, weird and petty that that was ultimately the deal break deal breaker. But I want to know hey, first. Maybe she is. Maybe she is a huge Stallone fan. I mean, that's an I iconic guess. statue, you know, I guess because it's, it's not just Stallone. It's the Rocky statue. Right. Right. So. I want to know who yours is. Cause I've, I struggle with this and I, I had a lot of different potential options. I tell you what, there, there are only so many, I think, like, it, it's a very short list. One, <laughs> like, the Rocky statue is tempting. You know, like, if, if I yeah, had Yeah, that one itself have, is, yeah. is up there. If I had a chance to have that 
that would be very tempting. Um, Muhammad Ali, like it, you know, in the famous Sonny Liston. Like yeah, that, that was that, another one for me too. Muhammad Ali. Well, I think like I was keeping it in the boxing family, but he was on my list of about three people. Right. For sure. Like, like Ali would definitely, you know, be, be right there at the top. Uh, Decaf 18 says Michael Jordan. And I think a lot of people would, would probably go Michael Jordan, especially, you know, in the upper demographic. Like I'm, I'm here at Notre Dame though, have lived here for almost 25 years at this point. Like Rocket Ismail, a Rocket Ismail statue would be, I think on my short list as well. I like, so I thought about one of the most iconic players of the last 30 years. He, so I thought about Notre Dame as well, but to me, it feels like the iconic players really weren't a part of the era that I was alive and able to watch. So like That's making, like picking someone like, from Notre Dame would be really hard. Like, yeah. Like Manti, you know, Jalen, Brady Quinn, Samarja, those would be yeah. kind of like the most iconic that you grew up watching. Yeah. But, and again, like, J, like Jalen would make sense or Manti would make sense, but Again, what they did at Notre Dame was great, but it felt like afterwards, like I would want if I wanted a statue, I'd want someone who potentially did more, had even a more successful career in the NFL, right? So it's like it, it became really hard. So I thought about uh, again on my again short list, I thought of just like a traditional, you know, Notre Dame leprechaun statue would also be pretty cool. Like a gold Notre Dame leprechaun statue would be not fun bad to because be, it's. It still now, represents would it, would it Notre be, Dame. Would it, be, would it be the logo? You know, where, yeah, the where logo like one, the... not like a, a human version of the leprechaun, like one that looks more so like the the logo. Actually, that's that would actually be pretty cool. That would be a really cool one. Shy uh, Town said replica of the Newt Rockney statue, and that might be the one for me. I've actually got a picture of my dad and I, you know, by the Rockney statue from a few years ago. But like, <laughs> if it was ground level, there would be actually someone I could be taller than. If I had the new Rockney statue in the backyard, I really like the the leprechaun idea though. That's a perfect idea, you know, like for living here, like to have a, a a leprechaun statue like that. I think that that would be really cool. Decaf says Lou Holtz statue, not a bad one either. So then I had, um, and then finally to to top off my list of three, I had one in like professional, you know, my professional fandom era of looking at the Cubs. And Cowboys. And so when I start looking at the Cubs, I start looking at the World Series year. And to me, yeah, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez were great players, but to, like the backbone and the the heart and soul of that team was Rizzo. So I thought about potentially like the a poten- uh, the the statue of Rizzo after he catches the ball at first and he's celebrating with his, raised and, with his yeah, arm like raised. Jumping. I think that would be one. And then if I had to pick one for the Cowboys, it would either be Des Bryant going up for a catch or him throwing up the X would probably be my other statue. I like it. I like it. I thought hard about this one. And again, it was, it's tough because it's like, it has to be something that you're comfortable with in your backyard forever. And and people coming over and being like, you have a statue of this right in your backyard. It's gotta be something that's not like completely ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah. Derek uh, says I'd get the Ron Burgundy <laughs> in his robe by the pool. Cannonball! I love it. <laughs> Just get the Channel 4 news team out there. In full. Harry Carey's a good one That's as good well. One. Like like Harry, I got the bobblehead over my shoulder there, if you can see it there in the background. I like that one. 
we've got a picture. We've got another picture. I think um, the Harry Carey statue outside uh, Wrigley Field there. Oh, another that. contender. I saw a little bit of the career back half. Definitely. Emmett Smith would probably be up there as well for me. Like I have a that. picture with Emmett Smith when he came to the College Football Hall of Fame. That's right. That's right. He was teaching me a good three-point stance. <laughs> Copies for closers. Brian Kelly statue, so I can curse at it every morning to start my day. <laughs> or you can just, you know, let the birds do their thing out there on the Brian <laughs> Kelly statue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Salty wants L. McPherson. Oh, come on now. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. So Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk have agreed to face off in a cage match. Would this even be remotely entertaining to watch? Yeah, I actually would find this to be entertaining because, you know, not not to sound rude here, but a good nerd fight and <laughs> would would be, you know, like these guys, for lack of better terms, are super smart and super nerdy people. And it's like now they have enough money and time and, and, and resources to probably take some sort of you know, I know Zuckerberg's into like jujitsu a lot, and I'm guessing Musk is into similar type of stuff. And so, you know, when you have resources to go out and do, you know, all these things and get good, like, yeah, I think it would be a legit fight between, you know, some of the smartest and more successful, wealthy people in the country. Like, I, it would catch my attention. I would watch and I would I hope to see, see someone turning get into a out. slap fight. I yeah, just, but I know I both don't... of these guys take some sort of like professional, again, like, like jujitsu, you know, like classes and stuff. Like, I've seen Zuckerberg's people post about Zuckerberg before. So, yeah, it, it is supposedly Zuckerberg is into jujitsu. I haven't heard if Elon Musk is actually, you know, doing any any kind of, you know, martial arts or. It's or just like these, like you know, that. celebrity boxing matches that people do. That's which are completely uninteresting. That's why it's <laughs> like this does nothing for me, and so you know, I can't see this ever happening. If if it does, someone's got to put some money up. You know, and Chi-Town says Zuckerberg is they're very both odd. odd. They're both very odd. You know, they're they're both very eccentric. And well, that's uh, when again that happens when you're <laughs> a very smart kind of person, like that the certain personality. Very smart, trades. very rich. Right. I think it. You know, it's just like, you know, like if you remember the, um, you know, Dave Schultz, the Olympic wrestler, you know, died at, at you know they made the movie about it, Foxcatcher, the John Dupont, you know, yep. whole thing, and it's like. DuPont was rich and now he was he had some some severe mental issues but I, I you know the money the eccentricities it's just like it's like the money made him think that he was something that he wasn't and I think that both of these guys kind of seem like they've got some of that in them as well the fact that they're challenging each other to cage matches out there so <laughs> I would want I would rather see them you know like do you know what what you know, like what the royalty used to do way back in the day is like you get a knight, you know, to fight your fight for you and you have two knights go head to head. Like like each of them hire an actual MMA fighter and have those guys go head to head instead. Like that would be more entertaining. I, think. I like Again, that I just, idea, too. I just think that Zuckerberg and Elon turns into a slap fight. And like, <laughs> I just I don't think I'd be very interested in that. Any big plans for the weekend, Jess? I know you know you 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 had your uh, most of the week away. Any anything going on? Yeah, we have um, a wedding tomorrow. Oh, okay. 
I have a game tomorrow. Um, What's Sunday? Time? Game is at noon, and I think. Oh, actually, I think the wedding starts close to like two or two thirty, so it's going to be a pretty busy afternoon. And then um, Sunday, I have a, a friend who lives in Cleveland that's actually a really big Reds fan, and we've um, we talk about the Reds and, and Cubs a ton. You know, talk about baseball a ton, and. I actually go over and we'll play like the MLB show, the baseball game a lot. But okay. long story short, we're going to go see the Reds and Braves in Cincinnati on Sunday. So oh, cool. That'll we're be just, good. yeah, we're just going down the, just the two of us. And again, he's a big Reds fan, hasn't gone to the, a game yet this season. And obviously they're on this winning streak. So, little um, De La Cruz. Yeah, we're going to get a little Sunday two o'clock action out in the right field bleachers. So maybe we'll catch a home run out there. Nice. All right. We'll enjoy that. Sounds like you've got a busy day tomorrow between the wedding and and uh, baseball game first. Is yeah, the wedding in town, or you got to go somewhere? No, it's in town, which is helpful. Okay. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody else. Have a good weekend as well. Appreciate you being here. And of course, if you didn't catch it live yesterday, we had uh, Micah Shrewsbury, Notre Dame men's basketball coach, on live. So you can find that on our podcast or YouTube platforms, whichever you want you can check that out we've had some you know the other interviews recently with neil ivy with kevin corrigan the men's lacrosse coach Mark McGraw, a little while back so uh, a lot of different interviews that uh, we have had here lately have a great weekend smash the like button on your way out and of course subscribe rate and review on your podcast platforms and we will talk to you monday on IB nation sports talk For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.